Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Mwamba with my wife, Tarina Mwamba, here in Dallas, Texas, the United States of America. We bring you greetings from this great nation of the United States. And we bring you greetings also, excuse me, from our church, the Word of Life Bible Church Fellowship International Dallas Campus. We also bring you greetings from our Bible College, the Word of Life Bible College Theological School, online theological school, the headquarter base here in Dallas, Texas. As you know, we have students around the world, in the UK, in Africa, they are in South Africa, in Zambia, in Tanzania, in Kenya, in Uganda, and many, many more countries. And we are still expanding. It's a pleasure. This particular teaching is directed to the Word of Life Bible School Students 2017 class. I'm sharing and teaching in the Old Testament survey, and uh, we are in the book of Genesis. We know if you want to be part and parcel of this school, all you need to do is apply to Word of Life Bible College, the number 777 at gmail.com and we will respond to you or you can go on Facebook and apply at Word of Life Bible College Facebook page and then you'll see there or you can go to my Facebook page uh, Bishop Dr. Lawrence Mwamba and uh, leave a message for us and we'll get in touch with you it's a blessing, you know, to be a child of God. It's a blessing to know that God is on our side. When you live without God, you're living a life without meaning. But the moment you find God is the moment you find meaning to life. You know, we are not just passing through in this world and sailing through and that is the end of the story. No way. God is so wise. God is so complex. Don't you tell me that God could create a human being who is so sophisticated as it is? You know, there is no way that God can create something that can never bring forth life. So it is important that God is a God of meaning. God is a, a God of great planning. God is a God of great strategy. God is a God who does great things and does wonders to each and every one of us if we follow him. Many people doubt the power of God. Many people doubt the presence of God. Many people doubt the very being of God. That's being very short-sighted. What makes you think that you came in this world by accident? <laughs> Nobody came into this world by accident. We came because God had a purpose for our lives. There is a purpose for you and there is a purpose for me to live in this world. And so I encourage you, beloved ones, as I teach today, the students of Word of Life Bible College, you can listen in and be blessed. Who knows, you end up joining us and becoming a student as well. But uh, like I said, this is specifically for the Bible school students of Word of Life Bible College around the world. Well, let us look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do bless and thank you today that thou art a God of mercy, a God of comfort, a God of wonders, and a God of miracles. For without you, Lord, we can do nothing. But with you, Lord, 
we can do great and mighty things when you sustain us by your spirit. For the spirit of the Lord is the guide that you have given us. The spirit of the Lord is precise. The spirit of the Lord is the thing that drives us to truth, drives us to the knowledge of the kingdom of God. And therefore, I ask for an enlightenment to all those who are listening to me, all the students, that God, you enlighten their hearts. Let them receive this teaching as you planned it from ages past. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, last time we looked at uh, the books of the Old Testament. And we looked at how the Bible was canonized. Uh, you remember I shared with you, I said, canon simply means books that have been checked out and have been measured and have been scrutinized. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the church elders agreed by the Holy Ghost and said, these are the true books that were inspired of God. Now, the five books of Moses, we call them the Pentateuch. That's the book of Genesis, book of Exodus, book of Numbers, book of Leviticus, book of Deuteronomy. So you have Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. These five books are ascribed to Moses as having written them. So today we'll begin with the first book of the Bible, which is the book of Genesis. Now, this is called the first book of Moses. Once again, I'm going to use my illustrated Bible handbook by Holman, which is called the Holman uh, Illustrated Bible Handbook. This is the guide, our textbook we are using in our study here in the Bible school. And uh, I believe that the Lord has got great things for us as we go through this study. Now, I'm reading now from my textbook. It says, the English title is based on the name given by the Greek translators of this book. In the second century BC, the name could be translated source or generation. The original Hebrew title is simply the first word of the book, Bereshith. In the beginning. So here we see Holman is giving us a clarity as to how we receive this book of Genesis. He's saying the English title is based on the name given by the Greek translators of this book, that's Genesis. But when we get to the actual Hebrew, you know, translated in English is actually source or generation. In Hebrew, it's Berethis or Beresheth which means the beginning or in the beginning. Now we have got key texts here. When I say text, I mean a portion of scripture that we are uh, highlighting. Well, there are key texts here. In, in, we have Genesis 1 verse 1 and Genesis 12 verse 3. Now Genesis 1 verse 1 simply says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Then, in Genesis 12, verse 3, the Bible said, I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who, who treat you with contempt. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, these are key verses we are looking at. The, the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this is a very important fact that we need to realize as students of the Bible. God is the source of all life here on earth, in heaven, and under the earth. By the way, we have got three compartmental spheres where beings live. There is the upper sphere, which is called the third heavens, where God dwells. Then there is a second sphere, which is called the stellar heavens, which is the heavens of the stars. Then there is the sphere. In actual fact, when we say the heavens of the stars, which is actually, you know, compatible with the third heavens in a sense, but it's the stellar heavens. Then we have the atmospheric heavens. Third heavens, 
stellar heavens where we have the the atmosphere of the stars and the planets and everything then we have the atmospheric heavens now when we say atmospheric heavens we mean the heaven here on earth the atmosphere which has got all these gases we have oxygen which we breathe is good for our life and survival then we have carbon dioxide carbon monoxide then we have as we go up different gases hydrogen and all that stuff okay so then we have the earth planet itself now under the earth also there's another world out there now there used to be previously what they called the bosom of abraham where those who were righteous and died is believed they went into a compartment in the earth which was known as the bosom of abraham or paradise now that place is empty because jesus when he died he went and preached to the spirits that had departed <coughs> excuse me who were held in that compartment awaiting that special day which in actual fact came to pass because jesus came and paid the price at the cross of calvary and went and preached to all those souls were in paradise then we have hell hell is a compartment of suffering and pain and it's believed there is a lot of heat in hell it's a, another name for hell is known as gehenna gehenna is simply a terminology that was used by the jews in those days in israel to describe a continuously burning fire this was a rubbish dump where they threw all the rubbish and stuff and things kept on burning and burning and burning time without end so those was called gehenna so that compartment is a compartment of suffering and it's believed that they are bored of the devil that's where the devil dwells he goes in and comes out goes in and comes out and all those people who die without jesus they go to hell and once you go there there's no coming back you see while you have got life here on earth that's when you can make a decision to decide whether you want to follow jesus who bring you to the third heavens where god dwells or you want to follow the devil and end up in hell which is the abode of the devil that's his home so we have these compartments now you remember lazarus and the rich uh, uh man who uh had special sumptuous lunches and ate you know he was a rich man dives that's what he's known his name they know him as dives very rich man and Lazarus what souls all over dogs leaked his souls and he ate the crumbs that fell off the rich man's table you remember that Lazarus died and when he died the angels took him to the very bosom of Abraham which is in the very third compartment in the very heart of the earth the paradise which was the bosom of Abraham in a sense it was God's presence and so Lazarus went and dwelt there in the presence of abraham or in the presence of god as it were then the rich man dies whose name was dies died too but the devils and demons took him to the compartment of hell and in there there was great torment and heat he cried out and screamed and said father abraham could you please put a drop of water that can come on my tongue and cool my tongue for i'm in this great torment and heat then abraham answered and said hey no look there is a big gulf a gulf simply means a big divide between you and us over here those who are over there are not allowed to come over here and those who are over here are not allowed to come down there you had your good time in on earth and lazarus now is having his good time here with me in my bosom he said okay if you cannot drop a drop of water onto my tank so i can be cooled from this heat 
Can you please let somebody rise from the dead, go speak to my brothers? I've got three brothers. Let somebody go and tell them that hell is real, and I don't want any of my brothers to come to this kind of torment where I am. Abraham answered back and said, hey, listen, man, dives. There are prophets and pastors and preachers and teachers on earth who are preaching right now. If they will not listen to those preachers, they won't listen to those evangelists and pastors and apostles. He says, the preaching is enough to turn them around and cause them not to come to hell. But, but if they ignore the teachings of those men of God, there's nothing that we can do. Even though a man would rise from the dead and preach to them, if they do not decide to those ones who are preaching to them to receive the Lord, they'll end up where you are. And so it is that dies the rich man in the Bible ended up in hell. So I've said all this to say this, that hell is real. And heaven is real. These books we are studying here in the book of Genesis say in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It's the truth. There's no other truth apart from this truth. Unless you dig it from somewhere, I don't know where you can. This is the beginning of all God's creation. And so we go back to Romans and we read. It says here now... Um, the key term we have is beginning. That's the key term. This book tells the beginning of many things, the creation of the world, the origin of the human race, and marriage, the rise of sin, and death. The book also shows the beginning of God's glorious plan to build a kingdom of redeemed people. So here in a nutshell, we can see that the plans of God have been very plain. Number one, God is the one who created the worlds. And then God placed the human race here on earth to, in actual fact, when you read the book in Genesis, it says, replenish the, the earth and subdue it. That's what it says in the book of Genesis, in chapter number two and three. Now, what does replenish mean? Now, in simple English, when you say replenish, means fill the earth which was filled before but now is empty you understand to replenish is to build something up again something which was there is gone now you're going to replenish it it is believed theologically speaking that this world had inhabitants who had lived here even before adam came and those inhabitants sinned against god and there was a big judgment that fell upon them that caused a catastrophic flooding all over this earth, that this whole earth was covered in water. Now, when God begins to speak the creation, we see in Genesis 1-1, coming to 1-2. For when you read in 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if God created the heavens and the earth, that means they were perfect. That's what we are looking at here in Holman's handbook. But if you see, like from my Bible, I'm reading from uh, the New King James Version of the Bible. Listen to what the Word of God says. It says there in my Bible, reading from verse number one of Genesis, listen to the Word of the Lord. It says, the first part of Genesis focuses on the beginning and the spread of sin in the world and culminates in the devastating flood in the days of Noah. Now, this is a different account we got here. Now, also in my Bible, they got a meaning. Say Genesis is a Greek word meaning origin or source, generation or beginning. Now, the original Hebrew title, Breathless, means in the beginning. So the literary structure of Genesis is clear. And is built around 11 separate units. All about the first includes the word genealogy or history in a summary phrase. Okay. Now. <coughs> excuse me. In a summary of phrase. Now, number one, introduction 
to the genealogies. Now, you know what the genealogy means? I mean, genealogy simply talks about when you're talking of, say, for example, your own family tree, okay? You're talking of your father, your mother, your great, your grandfather, your grandmother, your great, great grandfather, your great, great, great grandmother, and on and on and so forth. Until you reach to the very roots where you began, your seed began as whoever we are, you are like a mwamba. You can follow my tree until you hit the great, 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 great grandfather. See what I'm saying? So here we have an account, an introduction to the genealogies. You see there in Genesis 1 verse 1 to Genesis 2 verse 3. Then number two, we have heaven and earth in Genesis 2 verse 4 to Genesis 4 verse 26. And number three, we have Adam in Genesis 5 verse 1 to Genesis 6 verse 8. Then number four, number three, we have Adam. Then number four, we have Noah from Genesis 6 verse 9 to Genesis 9 verse 29. Then number five, we have sons of Noah, Genesis 10 verse 1 to 11 and verse 9. Number six, we have now Shem uh, in Genesis 11, verse 10 to 26. Then we have Terah, Genesis 11, verse 27. That's number seven there. Uh, Genesis 11, 27 to Genesis 25, verse 11. Then we have in number eight, Ishmael, Genesis 25, verse 12 to 18. Then number nine, we have Isaac, who is the son of promise. As you know, Isaac was the child of promise. Ishmael was not a child of promise, as it were. <coughs> Excuse me. He was a child of the flesh, because that was not the will of God that Abraham should have a sexual relationship with Hagar and produce Ishmael. So he's of the flesh. Then we have Isaac there, as like I said, number nine, Genesis 25, verse 15, to Genesis, uh, Genesis 25, verse 19, to Genesis 35, 29. Number 10, we have Esau, Genesis 36, verse 1 to 37, verse 1. Then number 11, we have Jacob, Genesis 37, verse 2, to Genesis 50, verse 26. There you are now to the end of the very book of Genesis. Now, I said I'm going to read from my Bible, the New King James Version. Here is the word of the Lord. Verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We see there in John 1, cross-reference, John 1, verse 1 to 3. Now the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the waters. Now, question. When the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, were the heavens and the earth complete? That's my question to you. Yes or no? The answer there is yes. When God created the heavens and the earth, they were totally complete. No blemish, nothing wrong. Because anything that God creates is completely perfect. Agreed? Agreed. Now, now why do we get this in verse 2 where it says the earth, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. What does it mean that the earth was without form and void? This scripture, verse 2, is talking about confusion. Question, did God create the heavens and the earth in confusion? No. Right? So where did this flood come from? Where did all this void come from? What is void? Emptiness. Without form means with no shape, no proper shape. And void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Did God create this world in darkness? No. God is not the source of darkness. God is the source of light. 
And wherever God is, light is. When God moves in a place, darkness must disappear. So where did this darkness come from? And the Bible tells us, and the Spirit of the Lord, or the Spirit of God, was hovering over the face of the waters. What is to hoover? You know, when a hen is getting ready to have little chicklets, okay, he, the hen, who is the mother, the cock, which is the, the male figure of a chicken, is there and already planted the, uh, the, the seed and they, 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 the hen is now laying them eggs. After the hen lays the eggs, it sits over those eggs or sits or hoovers over or broods over those eggs uh, to give them that warmth until they hatch. And you have the little chicklets coming out, the chicks coming out. Now, when God created the heavens and the earth, they were complete and perfect. But like I said to you, before Adam came, there was another world here. There was uh, uh, beings that lived on this planet. And it's believed that this world was controlled by Satan. In actual fact, the devil is believed to have reigned on the planet even before Adam came. You see, the Bible tells us that the devil said, I shall ascend or arise and ascend and be like the Most High. Where was the devil ascending from? He was ascending from the earth. In a book of Isaiah and chapter 14, in actual fact, when you read from chapter 12 going down, the Bible does tell us very clearly the intent of the devil. Now, I'm going to read to you from the book of Isaiah, chapter number 14. But the best uh, scripture verse there is uh, verse number 9. Now, it says here, verse number 9 of Hebrew, uh, Isaiah chapter 14. Hell from beneath is excited about you. Cross-reference in Ezekiel 32 verse 21. To meet you at your coming, it stays up the dead for you. And the chief ones of the earth, it has raised up from their thrones. All the kings of the nation, they all shall speak and say to you, Have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to show up. Who is, whose pomp is brought down to shower? What is pomp? When somebody is pompous, somebody is proud. So when they say your pomp is brought down to shower, that means your, your, your pride is crushed and it's brought down to nothing. Okay? Verse 11. Your pomp is brought down to shower, and the sound of your stringed instruments, the maggot, is sprayed under you. And worms cover you. Who is this description being given to? That's the devil, Lucifer, who was the prince of music, we can say. He was in charge of worship in heaven. Now, this is the time that he fell. Isaiah here is, by the prophetical address, giving a description of the devil. Verse number 12. Listen to the word of the Lord. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. Son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. You see that? This guy had this whole planet Earth as his habitation. God had given it to him. He ruled from the earth. But this was not enough. He threw envy and his pride. He wanted to be just like the creator God, Jehovah. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Who are the stars of God? 
the stars of God are the angelic creation of God. All the angels of God. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. Which is the mount of the congregation? He was talking about sitting over the creation of God and the beings that are in heaven and everything that God has established, mostly angelic and heavenly beings. The seraphims, you see, the seraphims that worship God day and night, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. The devil wanted to ascend, be like the most high, and receive all the worship that God received. He wanted to get it. See? I'll also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the further sides of the north. That's where here theologians do believe that heaven is in the north. Because here it said, the devil said, I'll also sit on the mount of the congregation on the further sides of the north. So wherever you're standing, a north is above your head. <laughs> where we had one of our professors sharing with us in seminary and saying, wherever you're standing, when you look up, that's heaven. <laughs> obviously, because when you're standing, your feet are grounded to the earth. Obviously, if you go down from your feet going down, that's to hell, right? That's why they say when you die and you see yourself going down, you're not going to meet God. You're going to meet the devil because God does not dwell in the heart of the earth. God dwells above the earth in the north. You see what I'm saying? And so he says here in verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'll be like the most high. See, he wanted to leave this planet. He wanted to leave all the authority that was given to him, delegated to him by God. He wanted now to be like the most high God. How can you ever think such a thing? I've always asked myself, I said, what made the devil think like that? But you know, people always think like that. That's why mainly like in Africa, they're always overthrowing government by military takeover and all that stuff. You know, people want to be leader of other people. People, if they can't get it through the ballot, they're going to force themselves through the barrel. That's what they say in Africa. <laughs> but listen, friend, if God didn't make you a leader, take the position that God gave you. Because in fact, when you become a leader, the leadership comes with responsibility. And God is going to judge you for how you led as an elder, as a prophet, as an apostle, as a bishop, as a pastor. Whatever position you had in church, deacon and deaconess, as a leader, God will judge you on that level. The higher you go in the kingdom, the greater the judgment that God is going to bestow on you. And so here we see the devil wanting to be like God. I will ascend, verse 14 of uh, Genesis, uh, Isaiah 14, verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'll be like the most high, verse 15. Yet, see, who said that? Yet, yet you shall be brought down to Shawel. That's the spirit of the Lord speaking here. We see there cross-reference in my Bible says Matthew 11, verse 23. Yet you shall be brought down to Shawel. What is Shawel or Shawel? Shawl is uh, simply spoken the grave or hell. Here God is saying, hey, by the Spirit of the Lord, He's saying, you can't do that. You are a created being. You can't match up to me. I made you. So you will be brought down low and you're going to go to Shawl. That means you're going to go to hell. That's why the Bible said man is not supposed to go to hell because hell or Shawl is prepared for the devil and these angels. Now, who are the angels that hell is prepared for? Those are the angels that fell together with Lucifer. You see, the devil had to influence a great multitude of angels. You see, the Bible speaks in one place and says there are myriads of angels. When you say myriads, in a sense, from our own, human level of thinking, it's angels you cannot count with your fingers or with numbers. Mirage means beyond millions and millions and billions of 
billions of angels. There are angels, millions and millions of angels. Just that, you know, our human capacity, the brain cannot comprehend the vastness of this creation that God has made. And God has got myriads of angels. That means millions upon millions of angels. So this devil, he had that much capacity in him to influence at least a third of God's angels. So a third of God's angels fell together with the devil. That's what the Bible tells us here. Yet you shall be brought down to shower, to the lowest depth of the pit. Now, what is the lowest depth of the pit? That's hell. Hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. That's where God said he was going to be. These one-third of God's angels who were obedient to God finally believed the devil. You know, if you continue listening to a lie, eventually you're going to believe a lie. You understand me? If you continue to listen to things that are not productive, they'll turn your head around, and you're going to start believing and say, you know what, I think it makes sense, when it does not make sense. See, that's what caused Eve to fall. She listened to what the devil said. The devil broke out and started a conversation as God said, you shall not eat of this tree. Then the woman said, yeah, God has said we shall not eat nor touch it. No, that's a lie. God did not say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. For in the day that you eat of it, you surely die. And you know, God can't lie. <laughs> then the devil said you will not surely die. See? He likes twisting scripture. He says, for God knoweth that the day that you eat, you will be like him in knowledge. And so the woman, seeing that this tree was good to make somebody wise, she goes ahead and eats. What do we call that? Deception. Friends, the devil is all over the world deceiving people, taking them from the truth and translating them into sons of devils. People are doing crazy stuff all over the world, killing one another. All these like, yucky stuff going on like in Europe. This crazy Islamic individual getting a car, driving into people and killing them like that. You think that is God? No, that's not God. That's the devil. Let me tell you something. God is going to hold everybody accountable for the works that they do that are devilish. There is an end for every devilish thinking individual, and their end is in hell. You say, you are a hell-preaching preacher. Yeah, I am. I'm going to give you a warning, and if you don't get it, the warning you're going to get from God will be so serious because by pointing his finger at you, you'll be cast into hell. You can't even stand in his presence. You won't even see God. The Bible said it's only the holy ones who are going to see God. If you live in sin and you're a child of the devil, you're not going to see God. How are you going to see God? God, give me a break. People full of devils. You won't see God. You will not. And so we see here, the Bible tells us very clearly. It says the devil fell. The Bible says in verse 16, those who see you who gaze at you and consider you say, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed his cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, all of them sleep in glory, everyone in his own house, but you are cast out of your grave like an abominable branch, like the garment of those who are slain, thrust through with a sword who go down to the stones of the pit like a cup trodden underfoot. See, this will be the end of the devil. And it's already working in him. He's already dead. The devil is moving, doing his last thing in the last time, but his last thing is not big enough. We have the Spirit of God right now given to us by the Lord as pastors, preachers, bishops, evangelists, to preach the message of the kingdom and spread it to the four corners of this world until the Lord Jesus comes. And we are not going to fail because God is with us. The Spirit of the Lord is going to carry this message in the airwaves. He's going to carry this message in the printed page. He's going to carry this message through the internet. We're going to teach the word of the Lord until Jesus comes in glory. You understand me? But the thing I want to tell you is 
the devil was destined for hell. But when the Bible says there in Genesis 1 and verse 2, that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, that darkness is what this devil calls. Because there was life going on here on earth. And because he sinned against God, he was cast down to earth. The Bible says all the fountains of the earth opened up their waters, and this earth was all covered in water. So when God starts to speak, then Genesis 1 and says that there be light, and there was light. That was not the first time God was speaking these things into existence. They had already been there. God was just bringing them back up from the darkness that had covered them and the water that had covered them because of the judgment of Lucifer. You understand me? And so now, after the recreation of this world, and we have now man who's going to be taken over, who was Adam, the devil had been on the scene for a long time and he knew his game. And he said, well, God gave man authority. He said, I, Adam, subdue the earth, replenish it. Replenish means fill up from where it has been emptied. Subdue it means bring it under your subjection. You be the leader. You be the one in control. But you see, the devil knew the game. He knew how authority, how sweet authority is. And he planned to bring man down, and he did. And so the Bible tells us here, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. This was not the first time that God was creating light, beloved one. Students, this is not the first time God is creating light. Light was there, but because of the sin of the devil and the fountains of the deep that opened up when God judged these worlds, the water sprang up and covered the earth. It was an obscuring of the light. And God saw that the light. That it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Verse number five. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. See that? We have now evening and morning on the first day. But all these things I'm telling you, this is the recreation of God. God bringing back the things he had created originally. That's why in verse one he says, in the beginning God created there was no darkness when God created. There was no deep. What is deep? Deep is something which is covered under water. You understand? Verse number seven. Well, let's see verse number six. Then God said, let there be a firmament. Now, this firmament is just a dividing of what we might call the atmospheric heaven from the earth. When you look and stand, you see like a line is drawn, like the sky has come to the earth and there's an even line. That's a firmament. And he said, that, then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the water from the waters. We see that also given to us in Second Peter 3, verse 5. Now, if you have your Bible there, you turn with me to 2 Peter 3, verse 5. Let me show you what I've been talking about here. 2 Peter 3 and verse number 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now listen to the word of the Lord. 2 Peter 3 and verse number 5. Listen to what the Bible says here. For this they willfully forget. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. You see what I said? There was a world that existed here on earth. This world was ruled by the devil Lucifer. He sinned against God, and God judged it, and it was submerged under water. That's what we read here in Second Peter chapter number three and verse five. And for this, they willfully forget. It says they they forget so easily that by the word of God, the heavens were of old. And the earth standing out of water and in the water. What is the earth standing out of water and in the water? Submerged because of the judgment of God. That particular judgment is called the Lucifer's judgment. Verse 6. By which the world that then existed. The King James says that then was. My new King James Version says that then existed. That means there was a, 
a cosmos. Cosmos simply means life, societies of people. There was a cosmos, a world of people that lived at that time. Many believe they were giants and stuff like that. Now listen, it says there, by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are preserved for the fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So here Peter is just reminding the listeners or the recipients of his letter were the Jews that in the same way God judged the world that then was and submerged it in water. Now this judgment is going to come the next time is going to be by fire. Okay? Now, you see, when Noah was preserved in Noah in the, in the ark, and God told him to build that ark, and he obeyed and built the ark. He was preserved from the judgment that God was going to bring. Guess what the Lord said? The Lord said, I'll not again judge the worlds by water. That's why we have a rainbow. The rainbow is a covenant of God with mankind that he was, he's not going to judge these worlds again by water. Amen? Amen. Now, let's move on here. We see there in Genesis chapter number 1. I'm reading from verse number 5. Now we're going to move on, and I'm going to read now from verse number 6. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then the Bible says, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Now this is the dividing of firmaments, that's a division to de demarcate what's heaven and what's earth. Now, let's see to what my friend here, Homan, is saying. He says here, one sentence in summary, the God who created mankind and punished disobedience with death began his great plan of redemption with his covenant to Abraham, whose descendants arrived in Egypt as God's cherished people. Now, this is Homan's handbook I'm reading, which we're using as a textbook in our study in the book of the Old Testament, in the Old Testament. Now, the author and date of writing now, the author is believed to be Moses, is believed he's the one who wrote the book of Genesis. And the time of writing of this book is believed, it was written around 1445 BC. 1445 BC simply means 1445 before Christ, before Jesus was born. Although Genesis was written by an anonymous, anonymous author, anonymous simply means the theologians and scribes also ever were researching to find out who wrote the book of uh, Genesis. They concluded, some of them, that it was anonymous. Anonymous simply means the person unknown, okay? But we know from the style of writing and the research that has been made that it was Moses. It's integral part in the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch means the five books of Moses, Genesis to Deuteronomy suggests that the author was the same person who wrote the other four books. So internal evidence in the five books reveals their common plots, common theme, divine promises, central figure, Moses, and specific literary interconnections, Jewish and Christian. Christian traditions attribute the Pentateuch to Moses, whose life paralleled the events of Exodus to Deuteronomy. Now, here Homan is just saying that when we look at the life of Moses, the things that he did and the, the events that took place are parallel to his life. So Homan, you know, in this study is concluding that this act, the Pentateuch, the five books from Genesis to Deuteronomy were written by Moses. Now, the first audience and destination is believed that the Israelites at Mount Sinai were the audience. The original heavens and destination are not stated but believed to be 
the Israelite nation in the wilderness on their way to Canaan. The occasion of the writing, Genesis sets the birth of Israel at Sinai, Mount Sinai, in the context of both family history, Genesis 12 to 50, and cosmic history, Genesis 1 to 11. As such, it enabled these people to understand who they were, whose they were, knowing was vital to their fulfilling the purpose for which God had called them. Now, see, here Homan is saying, the people had to know who they were, whose they were, and the purpose of their being. Now, this is a very key factor even to us human beings. We Christians today, we need to know who we are, why we are on earth, and the assignment that God has given us. You know, you can't just, we, we didn't just appear, boom, just like that for the sake of appearing. God created us for a purpose here on this planet. And that purpose, you can find it when you start seeking the face of God. God is going to show it to you. You know, you don't just get born and say, well, okay, let's have a jolly good time. Fine, life has got jolly good time, but there is a purpose and plan for every event under the sun. God brought us into this world, each one of us. We have a plan from God, a blueprint, which we need to find out exactly what God wanted us to do. I remember when I was growing up as a small kid up in Zambia, Africa, there in Wuzikili, my father was a miner working on the mines, and uh, we kids would be around home and playing. I would draw a classroom with uh, charcoal kind of markings, you know, and I would use the wall of the house as a blackboard or chalkboard. I gathered the neighborhood kids in a class. I was about maybe six years old or seven. I can't remember when I was young. But I, I had a class and started teaching these kids. You know what? I just started teaching them. Guess what? My life revolved around teaching. The very things I did at that tender age struck a path for me that I'll be a teacher. I've been teaching from Africa. I was on radio, on Radio Christian Voice in Africa. I would teach one hour every day on Radio Christian Voice in Zambia. This broadcast was going to millions of people in Zambia, in Zimbabwe, in uh, Namibia, in Botswana. Then I was on radio too. Zambia National Broadcasting, the state-owned radio. And I'll be there for 30 minutes every Saturday. And I'll preach to over 2.5 million people. Then I was on television on Sunday. Every 11 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., I was on television preaching to masses in the country and across the country. So my teaching when I was a kid, making that class and teaching those little kids, was is something directing me to the call that God has got on my life. When I came from Nigeria, I started a Bible school, Word of Life Bible College. I trained over 110 pastors. These pastors, some of them are pastors in South Africa, in Botswana, in England. I got a pastor here in Virginia, here in America, who has got a church, Pastor David Chivambo. God striking parts with me in depositing the call in my life. You got to find your call. And now here I am teaching now the Bible school here online. I mean, God is the one who designs these things. See what I'm saying? And you got to hear the voice of God. You got to follow the footsteps of God. You got to know where you fit. And so it was that God called a, a, you know, Moses. And he started using the children of Israel for he had a plan to bring his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was going to redeem mankind. Jesus came through Shem. Now, like we're going to study. Uh, through the generations from Moses all the way up to the children of Israel, I, Abraham, then we have Isaac, then Jacob, and then the 12 sons of Jacob who are called the Jews, who are Israel. Then out of the 12 sons came Judah. From Judah we have a lineage that brought our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the descendant of shame. And through Jesus, mankind was destined for redemption. Without that, we could not be redeemed. So, the book of Genesis gives us a background. When you read in the Bible, now, one thing that strikes me, Moses was not a, a, a stupid fellow, you know what I mean? He was an intelligent guy. How can you write such books, if, you know, unless you're intelligent? 
How can you? <laughs> you cannot. So you see, sometimes, you know, I used to think many years ago before I became a Christian, I thought people who go to church are dumb. That's what I thought. I thought, man, you know, these guys, they play on their intelligence. They're following things written by some fella somewhere. I said, what is all these fables they're believing in of God? I said, they, their brains have been whitewashed. Or their brains have been, you know, kind of uh, given a, an antidote to cause them not to, to think straight. That's what I thought. I thought people were brainwashed going to church. The reason being, I didn't have the truth myself. Because my mother took me to church. And because my mother said so, well, I went to church. But then I came to find out eventually that now these people are not whitewashed in their brains. God is real. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And I came to find out people like Paul who wrote their pieces. He was not a fool. He was an intelligent person, a lawyer by, by, by profession. He was a a very successful lawyer. You read the book of Romans. When you to study in the in the college, in theology, in seminary, the way the book of Romans is written, it says it's like an argument presented by a lawyer. It's actually that it's like a book of law. You read that book of Romans. And when you look at the writings of all these people, they were not foolish or stupid, man. These are intelligent people. Look at the book of Revelation. How can you, with your human intelligence, write things like that? There's no way John could have written what is in the book of Revelation. No way. It took the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. I came, when I was born again, then I came to see the truth that, you know, God is more than what we envision him. He's more than what we see from the surface. There is a beginning of creation. God had a plan. And this plan must be fulfilled by you and me. Moses had his time. Abraham had his time. Isaac had his time. Now it's our time. What are you going to do for God? You know what I'm saying? We have to brace up and do the will of God. And so, students, I would like you to read the book of Genesis. We're going to be going through step by step. But I want you to see us reread and study as we break it down in pieces. One amazing thing I see in the book of Genesis is the Tower of Babel. Every time I think of the Tower of Babel, it checks me to the boots. Because, you know, there at the Tower of Babel, it was a gathering of mankind, and they wanted to build a tower that would reach heaven. And you know what God said? He said, let us go down. Who is saying, let us go? He's saying to himself, to the Holy Ghost, because God is a, 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 a trinity, three in one God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So he said, let us go down and confuse their time. Because what man thinketh he would do, he would do it and nothing will stop him. That particular scripture hit me so hard. God knew that whatever man would think to do, he would do it. That means the level of man's intelligence is very high. God believed that what man intended to do there at the Babel, they could build a tower that could reach heaven. And God said, let's go and confuse them. The Bible said that was the beginning of all these different languages. <laughs> you know, like in Zambia, where I come from, there are 78 languages. Is Nyanja Tumbuka, Swahili, I mean, not Swahili, Swahili is in Tanzania. Nyanja Tumbuka, Nsenga, Namwanga, Bemba, Kachas, all these languages, man. How can you communicate when you have so many languages? You see what I'm saying? If you can't have one language, you can't do much. That's why God said, let's go confuse them. That's why you have all these languages, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Russians, whatever language. But the most important thing, we have one language in God, and that language is the language of the Holy Ghost. And so I encourage you, beloved ones, to search the scriptures. For in them, Jesus said, the scriptures talk about me. In them, Jesus said, you shall find me. So when we read and study the scriptures, we are actually studying the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see there in verse 10, and said, and the God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. 
and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Now, this is a, 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 the law of multiplicity. The law of multiplication, in short. You see, things here on earth give after their kind. You can never plant a mango seed and expect to get bananas. If you plant a banana seed, you get a banana plant. You plant a grape seed, you get grapes. So it is with our lives while we are here on earth. Jesus said, in actual fact, it was Solomon who said, whatsoever you sow, so shall you reap. And Paul said it too in the book of Philippians. Whatsoever you sow, so shall you reap. You see, working for God and serving God is not a waste of time. You are sowing to the Spirit. These are things that don't die. On that appointed day, God is going to reward you. David said, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. What does that mean? David followed God from his childhood until he died as a king. He served God from the heart. That's why God said, I've not found a man after my own heart as David. So the things we do produces after its own kind. If you do not seed into the things of God, what are you seeding into? Whatever you seed into, it will multiply back to you. That's why every chance I have, I don't want to miss a Sunday from the house of God. I got to be in the house of God. Every chance I have, I have to minister and preach. You know, I have a secular job. I do work. And I have, I have to create time to talk to you guys. You know, here in America, if you don't work, what are you going to eat? If you don't have a church that can support you, what are you going to do? Nothing. You see what I'm saying? So I go early in the morning. I wake up at 3.30 in the morning, 3.30 a.m. Go to work and come back home around about 5 o'clock. I got to create time to speak to you guys. I got to arrange things to minister to you. It's not easy. But you know what? I know there is a reward that will come from God himself. He's going to reward me. At an appointed time, whatever I'm seeding in the spirit, it will grow. There will come a period where I won't even need maybe to work, where the ministry will be providing for itself, where things are going to start manifesting by themselves through the grace of God. That's how everybody started. That's how T.D. Jack started. That's how, you know, Kenneth Copeland started. Oral Roberts started. All of these guys. First they held secular jobs, then surrendered them, then they went into ministry, and now their ministry are big. What I'm trying to say is, friends, there is a price you pay for everything in this world. If you think that you will not pay a price to see the blessings of God, then you're lying to yourself. You've got to dedicate yourself. You have to apply yourself. You have to study. I know we have been telling students the school is $600 to study. But, you know, people say, oh, Bishop Mambo was 600 I paid $800 to study with the uh, Rayma, Tausa, $800. And I was in Africa, I paid $800 to study. So I got a diploma from Rayma, see, to study. And Gordon Cornwell, they gave me a scholarship of $10,000 a year. To study at Gordon Cornwell is almost $68,000 a year to do your master's degree. So education is not cheap. Education is not simple. You have to pay a price. You have to dedicate yourself and study and call upon the name of the Lord and work hard. Then God is going to reward you. So I challenge you students to study. We are going to go through the, uh, uh, the study of the book of Genesis from where we are now. And I encourage you to take notes. If you can find... Uh, the Homer's Handbook from a Christian bookshop, that would be great. Buy this one and use it to God's glory. The Homer's I'm using, it cost me almost $20. This textbook I'm reading from cost me $20. So that's here in America. I don't know there in Africa or where you are in Europe, how much it will cost you. But if you can find it, please buy it. Use it as a textbook. 
It's called Homan, H-O-L-M-A-N, Illustrated Bible Handbook. It will help you a lot. It's by the HCSB. This HCSB is a special uh, organization that uh, helps with the learning institutions. So I challenge you, beloved ones, read. Don't give the devil a chance. Give him a black eye. Amen? Well, let's close and let's pray together. I'm going to be with you again sometime. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the teachings that has gone forth. They have touched lives all over the world. Those who have been listening to me, preaching here from Dallas, I ask for the grace of God to abound them. Build each and every one of us, O oh God, in the grace which you have granted us. And I pray the peace of God that passes human understanding be upon them. I commit each and every one of them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Well, beloved ones, I'll see you again. God bless you. Keep praying for me and pray for the ministry. We'll talk to you again. And this is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Wamba signing off from Dallas, the United States of America, and saying bye-bye. God bless you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.